are back with another Sweep the League Spotlight segment. We are spotlighting the uh, NFL draft happening in April. And we're back with a very popular guy on Twitter, social media. It's the mock draft guy himself, Peter Andreziani here. Peter, welcome back, man. We're going to be talking about a guy who's kind of back and forth and more so on the going down the ladder trend, Brian Brissy out of Clemson, as well as some cornerbacks that we're, we're heading into the draft. We're going to try to get some ideas on who's the best ones out there, maybe some sleepers out there for later round picks. But Peter, welcome back to Sweep the League. I appreciate you joining me again. Good to be back, Rudy, man. This is uh, something that I could really get used to. I, I really enjoy sitting down, talking shop with you, talking some prospects and just just life in general, just like we did right before we started. I, yeah, that was crazy. So, you know, before we actually started talking uh, about football here right now, mock draft stuff, we uh, we were talking about weight loss. So you follow and sweep the league lately. You know, the guys have been giving me all this crap about stuff I used to eat. And one day I'll tell Peter, maybe if we have time at the end, I'll tell him exactly what one of my meals in a day was. And he might actually go, you know, throw up afterwards because that's what everyone <laughs> tends to do. Um but the one thing that will not make you throw up is Special Leaf Tea, guys. Go to the website, www.specialleaftea.com. Order your drinks today. Again, it's 100% all-natural ingredients, no added sugar, energy-boosting compounds with the without the use of caffeine for great flavors. The original flavor, hibiscus blueberry, pomegranate blueberry, and tangerine ginger, www.specialleaf.com. All right, Peter, let's get right into it, man. Brian Rossi out of uh, Clemson. So he's kind of that guy that started out hot. At the beginning of the year, you had a lot of uh, scouts, a lot of NFL, you know, talent evaluators just looking at him saying, you know, this is a guy that can definitely climb up the uh, draft charts that can definitely be selected in the top part of the first round of the draft. But there are still a lot of questions. He ended last year, 18 tackles, three sacks. There's a lot more questions, I believe, with Brissy than there are answers. I'm actually starting to feel like a lot of scouts are seeing what you and I and other guys are seeing. Can you give us some background on Brian Brissy and how you see him going in this NFL draft? You know, when the whole process started it, right away, you know, defensive tackle one was a struggle between Jalen Carter and Brian Brissy. And, you know, when you get down to it and, and you look into the tape and everything, I mean, there's a lot of things to like, first and foremost. You know, he's got impressive stature. He's got amazing strength, more top-heavy strength than anything. But he, you know, he could shed blocks laterally pretty well. But then there's a lot of things not to like. And, I mean, the first thing that jumps out at you is his injury history. That's definitely the one thing that jumps out at you. Another thing as well is... I, I I don't want to say he's limited in his role at the NFL level, but I really can only see him succeeding in maybe like a five tech and a three, four. Yeah. Uh, I've mulled over the idea of him being a three tech, like a more of a pass rushing defensive tackle and a four, three. I just really can't see it. I know we went through the same thing with Aaron Donald where, you know, undersized weight wise, but at 6'5", 300 pounds, I'm just not seeing it. He seems better fit for a 3-4. And there's a lot of teams at the front end that really don't run 3-4s. I mean, I could see him the, – really the highest I could see him going at this point right now is probably to number 12 at the Houston Texans. And that's really just because of how abysmal the Houston Texans' run defense has been the last couple of years. And they obviously need some interior pass rushing help. But – 
you know, his pad height, he plays too high. As I mentioned before, he's got a very top-heavy frame. He's very strong, got really long, strong arms, which is a plus. But he doesn't play through his legs at all, so he could easily be just toppled over or or pancakes for the most part. And, you know, got to go back to the injury history. ACL tear for a defensive tackle is not something that I'm willing to sink a first-round pick into. Yeah, that's that's a huge question mark right there when it comes to the ACL tear. And, you know, a guy that you actually uh, posted today about Hendon Hooker, QB, you know, ACL tears for me, especially in college coming into the pros, it's so scary for me. And I'm mm-hmm. not saying that you can't ever bounce back. We've seen many, many guys bounce back. Adrian yeah. Peterson comes to mind having a, a fantastic year after he tore his ACL. But, you know, still, a lot of these guys are not Adrian Peterson coming off of an ACL tear. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, with Brian Brissy, I see exactly what you're saying. And that's why I say for me, it's more questions than answers. I, I think even if Houston at 12, there's still if you don't see that defensive tackle or anybody like that there that you like, more than likely they're going to go with more offense, probably, a you know, big time wide receiver. They can probably even go with an offensive lineman uh, to help them out there. They can even go cornerback who we're going to be talking about a bunch of cornerbacks now. Um so Brian Brissy is kind of that mystery figure. I feel you can maybe correct me on this, but I feel as we get closer to combine and also, uh, you know, team workouts, you know, pro days and everything that we're going to see a little bit more in Brian Brissy. Do you think that coming into these workouts and everything that he could potentially get his stock back up to where it was at the beginning of all of this hoopla? Yeah, I, I definitely think he can, and and the reason why is because he's supremely athletic for the position. Uh, there's a lot to be said about that, but I've been pretty adamant and pretty vocal on Twitter saying my my thoughts on the combine and pro day is that really we shouldn't be putting too much stock into any of that stuff other than game film. I mean, even even with the Senior Bowl passing this past week, you know, a lot of guys raised their stock, a lot of guys lowered their stock. At the end of the day. Most of the practices are one-on-one drills. You know, it's it's not realistic. And I feel like it's the same thing with the combine, too. I mean, we're, we're doing three-cone drills. We're doing bench press. At the end of the day, if you could bench press 47 times at 225, that's great. But if you can't get past a guard or a tackle, I don't really care how strong you are. And I think we're putting way too much stock into – combine statistics because as i said to a a twitter user who asked me my thoughts on the combine i said we've seen athletic freaks become busts and we'd we've seen guys that don't perform well at all at the combine become superstars and you know you could say that for everything but i feel like it's more often than not and another thing that i think about too with the combine i take Tariq woolen for for example i mentioned Tariq woolen Last time I was on as the per, probably the only late round guy that I was right on in my life. And <laughs> I said that Tariq Willem was a first round, should have been a first round talent, first early second round talent. And he lit it up at the combine. He absolutely killed it. And it should have rose his stock much more than the fifth round. And it never did. And there was everyone passed up on him at least once. At least one, someone passed up on him. And now look at him. So I I, I think that, yes, to answer your question in a short form is Brian Brissy, absolutely. He can go out there and tear it up. He could run a a 4-7 for for a 300-pound defensive lineman and set the world ablaze. I don't necessarily think it'll translate to on-field success. 
Yeah, that's that's a perfect point. I love that you mentioned, especially about the combine, combine and all these workouts, because it kind of does give false hope. You've seen more guys come out of these workouts, a la, and I hate to bring him up, but you know Zach Wilson's one of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a freak on a workout, but then you get him in an actual NFL game, and it's like, where was this, or why didn't we notice this? It's like, you're right, you put too much stock into seeing a guy quote unquote workout that's what it is a workout i mean that's if i was to go back in my backyard shoot baskets all day if i'm making all of them i'm having a perfect workout i should be drafted shouldn't i but it doesn't work out <laughs> like that so yeah we're gonna see what happens with brian Bercy, uh do a tackle out of uh, clemson the, honestly the sky's the limit i mean for every player out there you could have the absolute worst workout you could have the absolute worst season in college football coming to the nfls and you're a hall of famer within two years because you're putting up ridiculous numbers we just don't know and that's the greatest thing about prospects coming into the draft again special leaf t special leaf.com www.specialleaf.com go order your drinks today uh we are here with peter the mock draft guy himself give you a couple of social media handles for him twitter it's at mock draft guy yt hit up his youtube subscribe to his youtube channel fantastic channel amazing at the mock draft guy instagram just go ahead and search the mock draft guy you can find him on there i found him there recently and i added him i had to do that asap because if not i'd be missing on all of his great content (laughs) so those are all the uh social media handles that you can get him on we're gonna move right into cornerbacks here now this is something that uh I recently talked to Daniel Kelly at a first round mock as well. And I mentioned this to him and you and I have mentioned it so many times together. This cornerback draft class is loaded. And I'm talking when you've got some scouts out there and you've got some quote unquote experts out there that have a guy like Garrett Williams ranked lower than 15. That's kind of a problem for me. I love Garrett Williams. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, I mean, if you want to say 15, that's a steal for pretty much everybody in the draft, but you've got guys, uh, Joey Porter Jr., uh, Kelly Ringo, Christian Gonzalez, Clark Phillips, you got De- uh, Devon Witherspoon, who's shooting up draft charts. And I'm talking yeah. first guy off the board type of uh, speed that he's going on these drafts right now. But what I want to get into is this cornerback draft class. I want to hear your thoughts on it because everybody that's listening, I want them to know how special this cornerback draft class could be. It, you know, this year's class has the almost impossible task of trying to almost sort of kind of live up to last year. And last year wasn't particularly really that special after their first pro season. I mean, right away, you think of the Tariq Willens of the world, you think of the Sauce Gardeners of the world, but that was supposed to be the stacked draft class from top to bottom. Now, I don't know how other people review the the term stacked, but what I say stacked means is I can get a starter anywhere up and down the draft board that is that is a stacked draft class to me doesn't have to be a superstar necessarily in the seventh round but if i can get someone that could play a significant amount of snaps in the seventh round or all throughout the draft board that's stacked to me and this class 100 from top to bottom is stacked i mean you're looking at the top end talent i mean my top five guys in order i would say it's very close for me at the top five with one and two. I have Christian Gonzalez as 1A, Devin Witherspoon as 1B. Then I have Joey Porter Jr. at three. 
Cam Smith at four, and then I have Emmanuel Forbes at five. And that's what I would really want to start off with. Emmanuel Forbes is someone that has gotten no love in this draft process so far. He's flown completely under the radar as a 6'2", 200-pound cornerback that has played his entire career in the SEC, who has 14 career interceptions in three years and had a passer rating, I believe, last year in man-to-man snaps at like it was something like 1.3 passer rating throwing against him which is like almost perfect legitimately like the the most perfect you can get is zero and his was 1.3 i don't know how that's possible but he was absolutely unbelievable and you have guys you know that play in the sec that are going to be draft picks you know right away you think Keishon Bouti you think Cedric Tillman you know you think Jalen Hyatt these are guys that he went up against that are going to be stars in the NFL. So it only leads me to believe that Emmanuel Forbes will be a star in the NFL. Now, I saw people saying, yeah, he could sneak into the first round. I think he's a lock to be a first round pick right now. I, I definitely towards the later rounds, but if the if the Cowboys are talking about, you know, drafting Bijan Robinson as as maybe like a like smoke and mirrors kind of pick, I could easily see them taking Emmanuel Forbes to be that that other guy across from Trayvon Diggs. You know, it's just I'd really like to hear who you like in the middle rounds as well. There's just so many guys we could sit here and talk for hours. And I'd really love to, to be honest with you, one day just to sit and talk about this class, because I kind of feel the same way about the wide receiver class. Mm-hmm. I think the cornerback class is really the most stacked out of out of all the classes. But I, I mean, it, it's just value up and down the board. It, it really is. You You can get a bona fide starter. In, in like the fourth or fifth round. I mean, we're, we're talking about guys like Daryl Luter, Darius Rush, that could easily slot in as a number two or number three cornerback in the NFL. And these guys are projected to go in the fifth, sixth round. Yeah, you know, and that's exactly what I was, you know, getting at with you is that this, you, you may not find a superstar. Like you may not find, uh, you know, Revis Island or anything in this draft class, but what you will find are guys that are going to make Pro Bowls. That, that's for damn sure. You're going to find guys that are going to be starters. You're going to find difference makers, guys that are going to make a difference when you're going up against a a Patrick Mahomes, you know, with his arsenal. When you've got a team like Cincinnati, if they end up keeping T. Higgins and they still got that wide receiver uh, core right there, you've got guys that can match up really good with them. And like you mentioned, the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, if you've got Emmanuel Forbes there sitting there, you have to consider taking him. Now, there's other guys. I One guy that I, I like talking a lot about uh, is Riley Moss out of Iowa. I've, I've yeah. seen him play. I've seen the game film on him. He has some problems. I'm not going to lie to you. He's got issues. But I think with NFL you know, coaching staff and you know, just NFL training in general, Riley Moss could be one of those late-round guys, mid-round guys that you can get, and it's going to be, you know – it's going to be a bona fide pick. He's going to help you win. Guy like Jalen Jones out of Texas A&M. Oh, yes. Um, Big fan of Jalen Jones. Yeah. Great guy. Great defender. One guy that you mentioned that I really, really love, and I'm curious to even see where he goes, is Daryl Luter Jr. uh, out of South Alabama. I am so curious on this kid because if it's me, I'm kind of like, uh, can I pick him now? Can I pick him now? I mean, he's there. Can I pick him now? And it's like, where do you see him going in this draft? Because it happens to a lot of teams. You're like, you know what? We can wait because we're 30 picks later, 20 picks later. 
we can wait. He should still be there, and then he's gone. So a player like Daryl Luter Jr., where would you see him going in this draft? Because I have him mid-draft right now, but I could see his stock rising again. Yeah, Luter's an interesting case because I don't know if you watch, but like me, what I do with my free time <laughs> is I watch Senior Bowl highlights, apparently, because that's all I did this past weekend was one-on-one drills. I found a great YouTube channel that mm-hmm. posts every single one-on-one drill, and I sat on my couch like a potato and and just watched hours of, of one-on-one drills. But Luter was the big winner for me. I mean, the hardest one-on-one drill in any practice, any Senior Bowl, whatever you want to call it, is the cornerback versus wide receiver. It has to be. You have no pass rush. You know, you know, you're you're looking at plays develop five, six, seven seconds after the ball is snapped. That's impossible in, in the NFL. So these guys are defending with no pass rush and unlimited amount of time. And Daryl Luter was someone that just consistently played at a high level in the hardest drill in any drill I've ever seen in football. Uh, he he blew me away. Honestly, it was him. You know, Anthony Johnson was another one that blew me away as well. Uh, Darius Rush, like I said, definitely improved his draft stock. But Luter was the big winner. I mean, I could see him with his intangibles and his instincts. I could see him going as high as the third round right now as to before the senior bowl. He was probably a, a late fifth sixth round pick mm-hmm. and it can only go up from here i mean with a strong combine performance uh he's he's going to be one to talk about for for weeks to come for sure so i'm going to give you one more name that i want to ask you on because a lot of i feel he gets looked over a lot for whatever reason i have no idea i watched this team play because being a carolina fan you know they do end up playing them uh from time you know in the uh, conference but garrett williams out of syracuse i feel he's one guy that gets overlooked a lot And a lot of people have said that, you know, he's probably he's definitely top 100, you know, prospect in the draft. Um, He had a good season. It wasn't a great season. I believe he had uh, two interceptions on the year. Um, Mm -hmm. But again, it's kind of like Garrett Williams to me is one of those guys, you know, that I think can make a difference on the right team for Garrett Williams. Where do you maybe see him going in this draft? You know, Garrett Williams, I'll, I'll give you. I'm I'm with you, Rudy, because if we go back to my week one or week two mock draft from the NFL season, I have Garrett Williams as high as number eleven overall, and mm-hmm. and I firmly am on the Garrett Williams hype train. There's a lot to love, and and one of the things that someone pointed out to me as well, or something that that someone agreed upon with me, is Garrett Williams is a tackling machine. Mm-hmm. And he's he's a fantastic run defender as well for a cornerback. And that's something that you see, you know, in guys in this class like Devin Witherspoon. Devin Witherspoon is 180 pounds, but hits like he's 280 pounds, you know. And and you're looking at guys from last year's draft like Sauce Gardner, like Cam Taylor Britt, guys who are tackling machines that are excellent run defenders as well. And this is kind of where it gets tricky because – I mean, if I'm an NFL team and I see someone that had a cornerback that has as good a coverage skills as Garrett Williams has and is making 70 plus tackles a season, that's going to be a guy that's really high up on my board. I mean, I don't think I think as of right now, he's out of round one consideration. And that's because even though he had a strong showing Mm -hmm. this past season, it wasn't his strongest efforts. 
So I think maybe we're looking at early day two. You know, I'm thinking maybe if Arizona goes with a offensive or defensive lineman in round one, we could see him go as early as what is that 34 or 35 right there. I think that would be maybe his ceiling. I would love to see him in the first round again. I would love to see him go to Cincinnati. I'd love to see him go to Dallas, even love to see him go to Minnesota possibly. But I think right now we're talking about early day two for Garrett Williams. Yeah. I mean, Garrett Williams, I think could sneak into that first round and one team I had him in the first round with, and it's kind of one of those mystery teams where, well, does he make sense to me? He kind of does is right there in Buffalo. Mm Mm-hmm. Buffalo would probably benefit from getting Garrett Williams late in that first round. I know they could definitely use some offensive line help. You're going to have some great, yeah, you're going to have some great offensive line options there at the time. But I think a team like Buffalo might benefit from Garrett Williams. But then again, I would say second day, you know, day two early, maybe mid uh, second round. I'd be real surprised if he goes way past the third round there's really no way he's past third round i mean third round Ooh, probably those gms better start calling if that guy starts to slide if he slides past 50 any cornerback needy team needs to start calling and just and just offer whatever they can to move up to that spot because that's one of those guys that's a guy that you could plug in if you have a bona fide number one on one side of the field i'm very confident in leaving garrett williams on an island on the other side for sure Oh, yeah. I completely, completely agree, man. So this cornerback class is just it is ridiculously stacked, man. And that's what we were getting at earlier. This this is one of those uh, drafts where, again, you're not going to get Hall of Fame talent. Let's be real. But when we're saying that it's stacked, you've got nothing but starters and you're going to get starters throughout this entire draft when it comes to the cornerback position. Peter, you know, I appreciate you giving us all the information on uh, cornerbacks as well as the uh, the mysteries behind Brian Brissett because, he, like I said, he's one guy that started off hot on everybody's list. Everybody was looking at him. Now he's dropping, and he's dropping pretty quick. So we're going to see what happens uh, come draft time. We're we're actually going to have uh, Peter on with us a lot more here at Sweep the League. We're going to do a lot more coverage for the NFL draft. Uh, as well as, like I said, we're going to get him on an actual Sweep the League show, get him out of his comfort zone, mm-hmm. uh, which is talking NFL and mock drafts and prospects and all, and get him into the uh, the live, the what do we call We have a whole new thing now. It's called Sweep the League Life, Laughs, and Sports. So that kind of gives you an idea of what you might be uh, getting yourself into, Peter. Three things I love, Rudy, so I'm all for it. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> let me bring the laugh. So that's for sure. The life stuff um, is a little bit crazier. But we, I got a couple of minutes with you still. Do you you were you and I were talking about weight loss? And right. like I said, if it was uh, no secret to those that have been here in Sweep the League, you know, I've in the past three years I've lost uh 260 plus pounds, roughly. My highest was like 487, I believe. So um, I got pictures to prove it to everybody out there. I'm not, you know, scamming nobody. And I didn't use any, you know, um, any liquids or anything like that. It was just straight staples to the mouth and shed it and sew it. And that was it. So I was, you know, eating through a tube for a long time there. Um, but no, man. So one episode that we had, my uh, producers, uh, they were asking, what did you eat in a day? And I said, well, I ate different things daily. But I said, let me walk you through one day. So in Texas, you you pretty much know Texas. We're known for uh, breakfast tacos, like San Antonio. So you said you were in Austin, I believe, one time, right? 
Yeah. Um, in September, I was in Austin. Okay. So breakfast tacos galore. And don't you, you can't argue with me with the San Antonio Austin who has the best tacos. <laughs> it's going to be San Antonio regardless. <laughs> um, but anyway, I used to eat, man. Let's say on the morning drive, I'd go to a, a restaurant. I would get on an average of five tacos and a large lemonade. I mean, oh my god, yeah. So that's already <laughs> cringeworthy. There, uh, go to lunch at eleven o'clock, and I hit up a Wendy's. I tell everybody this: I'll hit up a Wendy's. I'd get a uh, either a baconator, which is the double meat, or a double the the double meat cheeseburger meal, large fry large coke and i'd get you know uh two orders of the four-piece nugget and two double stacks that was my lunch dude oh my god dude so you're talking <laughs> calorie city brother so i would even i'd get off work at five on the way home i hit up mcdonald's and get me two double cheeseburgers with big mac sauce and oh. you know maybe a 10-piece nugget and i'd drive i'd go home with that in my car get home Sit down and eat dinner. <laughs> yeah. I told you you were going to get sick of I told you this. Wow. You know, I told you. <laughs> you know, I did that actually last week one time. I went to, I was working overtime at my job and I was just fiending for a Popeye's chicken sandwich. <laughs> and I, and it was like, I was getting off of work at 730 and it was already like, like maybe like 645. And my girlfriend was already making dinner. She was making steaks. And I was just like, you know what? I, I I cannot go home unless I have a sandwich. And I went, I got a sandwich. I got the mac and cheese on the side, mm -hmm. uh, a, a large Dr. Pepper. And I ate that whole thing in like 30 seconds. And I went home. I got my car, went home and had a New York strip. And I just felt like the worst human being on the planet. It was the, <laughs> it was the worst decision I ever made. <laughs> wow. See, and that, that's not that bad. Cause I mean, you didn't do it daily. Did you, that was like one time or maybe it... I, I vowed after that. I said, I'd never do that again. That was, it was a terrible Man. feeling brother. <laughs> that was every day, Monday through Friday for me. Wow, man. Not, not, not this exact meals, but those exact type of uh, like meal, like meals per se, not the exact locations every time. But I mean, and then getting home with my wife or, you know, my wife made pasta with spaghetti was my favorite. It still is. I haven't, haven't eaten spaghetti in three years, man. But um, sitting down for I would get a mountain of spaghetti and that was one serving. I'd get another mountain of spaghetti and I would drown it with like a gallon of tea sometimes. I mean. I, I can't even count the calories, bro. I, I can't. I probably had enough calories for a lifetime in a week. <laughs> so. I, I I think I know I said it before we started recording, but man, like at that weight and you know, what do you like what do you do? And and you just said screw it. I'm I'm just gonna stop. And you made it an unbelievable turnaround. Like I said before, I, I said I, I see weight loss journeys on Twitter all the time. And I've never seen anyone come close to 260 pounds in in a in a weight loss journey. And you're still and you're still going strong, dude. It's it's like one of the most admirable things I've first off, Twitter is is just a toxic wasteland and to see things <laughs> like and to see things like that. It just it's it's something that more people need to see. And it's, it's incredible, dude. You, you deserve all the credit in the world. And then some, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. And you know, if my, if my journey can help somebody else out there, by all means, contact me, you can hit me up on Twitter at sweep the league. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Rudy Compost junior. I mean, 
I, I'd love to talk to people. I've given uh, talks to local schools that have uh, weight loss groups and stuff and crowds of 20 up to 50 people and talking to them and being like, if I can do it and I always hear you, Oh, well, if you can do it, I can do it. I always hear that. Well, no, truthfully, if I can do it, because <laughs> it's literally cold Turkey eating, not drugs or alcohol, it's cold Turkey eating, which is absolutely the hardest because when you stress, you stress eat. And that was my thing, stress eating. So definitely I appreciate the, uh, the uh, the good words, man. I, I'm I'm excited to be here. Hopefully, you know, I'm still here long enough to keep doing this with you for years and years because you're still a young one. I'm the old one here. I'm. Uh, <laughs> chances are, I'm gonna get super super old while you're still super super young. So, I want to do this for many more years with you, man. <laughs> yeah, I listen. Like like I said before, you might be what 17 years older than me, but man. I sure feel it right now. <laughs> At only 26, I'm probably feeling 46 right now. And I know that doesn't sound great, but you know, when you get when you uh when you get up and down out of manholes every day, it really make it really has a toll on you. That's for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> you saying that, I think uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna work on our next sponsor being uh Ben Gay or something like that. So uh, for all of the <laughs> aching bones that you and I have, or maybe some Tylenol or something. But Hey, for the mock draft guy himself, Peter Andreziani here, this is Rudy Compos Jr. Until we sweep the league again next time and we talk to Peter more about the upcoming NFL draft, we will let you know when that happens again with Peter and myself. Again, specialleaf.com. Go get your tees today. So, Peter, again, thank you for joining us. Until we sweep the league again next time, we'll see you soon.